Well, hi, everybody. Uh, the title of this short little uh, recording is a review of our perception of prayer. And th this uh, teaching really came out of last Sunday's message in, in London Family Centre, where one of our pastors, Eratanasio, was encouraging us all to, to recommit to prayer, recommit to Bible study. And it, I thought it was a very powerful um, encouragement along that line when I started got home and started praying into it and, and meditating on it, the scripture that came to me was Acts chapter 2, verse 42, where it gives us a description of the early church, a very succinct, clear description, probably the best one in the Bible. It says they, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And what really jumped out at me when I was considering that uh, last Monday was the connection between the teaching and the prayer, that the, the, the teaching would bring revelation to believers and then those believers would, would, would pray on that. They would take it almost like a weapon, it is a weapon, and, and use it to see success in their prayer lives. I pastored in Glasgow, Glasgow City, for many, many years. And in the church there, we had a lot of medical doctors and they kept on disappearing on me. <laughs> so they'd be gone for like five months or four months. Where are they going? And they used to say, well, they're doing refresher courses. And in many professions, it is a very standard thing to have a refresher course and a very healthy thing just to update in case any of your practices, a bit like driving, you know, you can pick up bad practices when you're driving and then they just get worse and worse over the years. And sometimes those habits have to be broken. I mentioned that because I wonder when was the last time you reviewed your prayer the way you pray, how you pray, and your understanding of prayer, your whole approach to that. When was the last time? For me, that was a long time ago, probably uh, 10, 10 years ago before I did a proper, you know, reassessment of how I'm praying and how many of my prayers are actually getting answered, right? So, there are notes accompanying this teaching, which you can find on sermon.net. Uh, it's called a review of our perception of prayer. What do we do in prayer? What do we do? What are the protocols in prayer? What is the nature of the battle in prayer? Who fights who? And what is my role in prayer? Because I'm a citizen of the kingdom of God. Let me begin by drawing a comparison between a, a confusion I see around prophets. The, the Old Testament prophets were a unique breed. The last one of those was John the Baptist. They were referred to as the Nabai. Uh, they, they were independent. They weren't under the church. There was no church. Old Testament prophets acted independently. They were directly under God himself. They spoke and they operated without consultation with anybody. Those days are over. As I say, the last one of those was John the Baptist. Jesus came and instituted the church. And the prophet in the church is a completely different character. He most certainly is accountable to God, of course, but also to men. He is not independent. He much must work in consultation with the fivefold ministry, particularly the apostle. And I say that because you will see many modern day prophets functioning and I, you, you can see their thinking in the way they act. They're acting like an Old Testament character and that is not the criteria on which you or the protocols that you should be operating on. 
Now, I mention that because when you look at the Old Testament and you look at the battles and the wars, and I mean, it was brutal stuff very often. Joshua would go into a city and he would wipe out everybody. Every, that's, that's strong. That's so, there was a lot of violence. There was a lot of actual physical war. And to my great regret, you know, I've had to let some church staff go uh, in the past because their, their aggression in their evangelism, their aggression was so extreme. It was almost like they felt they were in a physical fight, that that's what they were being sent to do. Now, without getting into the rights and wrongs of wars, etc., that, that, that's not my topic at all. I'm talking about spiritual warfare primarily. But when you look at the Old Testament, look at all those wars and battles and everything else. And then we come to this New Testament again, right? The fact that we are in a war today, for me, that's not disputed. I don't dispute that there is a full-scale war. What I would discuss with you is our role in that war. That's what I want to discuss. Understanding our position today in New Testament day, the church age, as citizens of the kingdom of God. I am a citizen. If you're born again and you're listening here, I am a citizen of the kingdom of God. If you're born again, you're a citizen in the kingdom of God. When you join the army in any country, what's required of you is to revoke your citizenship. You are no longer considered a citizen. You hand that in and you join the army. For example, in the UK at the moment, we have a, a stirring disturbance taking place in Ukraine on, uh, on the border with Russia. And many of our young men here in the United Kingdom, they've gone there to fight. Uh, but we, the citizens of the kingdom, United Kingdom in this case, we stay at home. We're protected. And what we do is we make the decisions about what they do. We have a parliament. We have a voting system. We have a democracy here. And in Westminster, they will discuss what those soldiers do. That's our powerful, blessed position as a citizen of the United Kingdom. We are protected. We have an army that fights for us. And I just draw comparison there between being a citizen in the kingdom of God. And what I see in scripture is, it's not so much that God calls me to fight a, like a physical fight, but he calls me to lobby him to, as they would do in, in the houses of parliament, to bring my case before God as a citizen of this kingdom and then see God act on my requests, on my petitions, on our petitions and activate the angelic host of heaven on my behalf. Just as Britain has a physical army, God Almighty has an angelic army at our, not at our disposal, they're at his disposal, but when, when we put our petitions before God, he then activates that heavenly host. And you will see this all, th all throughout scripture, both Old and New Testament, with those who were switched on to the reality of it. In the book of Hebrews, um, it says this in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 14. Are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? Are not all angels, here's this vast angelic realm, are they not there when we pray to go and do the will of God uh, 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 that we ask God to do, to act on uh, in to actualize the prayer that we bring before God. A great example of this is with the prophet Elijah. Remember Elijah? He was surrounded by the enemy. The nation's about to be overthrown. And Elijah's quite 
cool, you know, drinking his English breakfast tea. He's chill, chill, chillaxed. And the servant is running around frantically, you know, get your swords, get your shield, you know, get your helmets on, we're going to war. And Elijah does no such thing. Absolutely, he's just relaxed. What's your problem? And um, eventually, Elisha speaks to the servant and says, or speaks to God and says, Lord, would you open his eyes and let him see that God himself has provided an army. God himself will fight this battle for us. When the apostle Peter, skipping to the New Testament, when the apostle Peter was in the garden and Jesus was about to be arrested, Jesus pulled his sword, cut off the servant, the, 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 the soldier's ear. And l- listen to the words of Jesus. Put your sword back. Put your sword back, Jesus said. For all who draw the sword will die by the sword. Do you think I cannot call on my father and he will send at once at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels? What's that? 6,000 angels, Right? But this must happen so that scripture will be fulfilled, Jesus said. In other words, when Jesus was facing a physical confrontation with those soldiers, with swords, with weapons, he said to Peter, put your sword away. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. Don't you know that if I wanted to, I could call, I could petition my father and my father would activate the forces of heaven. Do you know in the book of Revelation, Every single judgment that God brings about on the face of the earth throughout the book of generation, chapter, uh, book of Revelation, chapter 8, chapter 10, chapter 14, chapter 16, chapter 18, chapter 21, all of those judgments carried out on the earth are carried out by angels in every single situation. When Daniel, again, back to the old time, when, when Daniel was petitioning God, praying to God, it looked like nothing on earth was happening. 21 days go by and here we go again. An angel appears and an angel explains to Daniel, you pray to God. And the moment you pray to God, the very day that you prayed, God answered your prayer and sent me, an angel, to fight on your behalf. But I was resisted by the Prince of Persia. I have been fighting for you for 21 days (coughs) and your prayers have been answered. So what I want you to get, guys, is prayer as a citizen in the kingdom of God is a governmental issue. Just like you see in the House of Commons or the House of Lords in the UK, you see them debate an issue, uh, petitioning the prime minister for something. That's really our job, but we go to the courts of heaven. How, How wonderful is that? The apostle, I understand that this can be quite a confusing concept, especially when you read uh, passages like Ephesians chapter 6, where the apostle Paul would almost convince you (laughs) you're going to a physical fight. Paul says, put on the full armor of God. Put your helmet on your head. Put your shoes and your shield and your sword. I mean, this looks like a full-blown soldier going to war. It really does. However, how does he finish that passage? And pray. Put on the full armor of God and go and and physically. No, that's not what he says. Put on the full armor of God and pray and stand. And after you've done everything, stand. 
my wife had a vision a few months ago. I remember I came home and she was, she looked startled. She looked as if she'd had an experience, you know. I said, are you okay? And she said, well, I had a vision. And in the vision, I was surrounded by evil weapons. People were coming to attack and kill and destroy. And there was so many weapons around me. But I also had a weapon. I had a glowing, beautiful sword. And she said, but all I had to do was hold it. I just held it out before me and it did its work. I, th- I thought that was a good, vi- a good vision. She kept her spirit right. She didn't get tangled in the ways of the devil. Praise the Lord. Do you know what Jesus says? You want to fight? You want to be a soldier in God's army? Go into your room. Close the door and get down on your knees where no one can see you and pray to your father in secret because he rewards that. Don't you just love that? (laughs) Another thing about coming before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, we come with a petition, not so much with emotion. You know, if you go into a court in any country in the world and you're full of emotion and you're screaming and shouting, you're probably going to get thrown out of the court, right? That's not how courts work. You've got to come with evidence. You've got to come with some justification to get an answer, yes or no, or your case is going to get thrown out of court. We need to learn to present our petition. And by the way, if you look at the Houses of uh, Commons in the UK, just look at Boris Johnson. He's surrounded by judges. They're there every single week. He's surrounded by judges who sit every time the House of Parliament sits. The judges also sit listening to every word and they're surrounded by books of the law. And what those parties are doing is they're bringing justification within our constitution for what they're petitioning the government for. It's exactly the same with us. The constitution is our scripture and we're bringing before God a petition for him to act on our behalf, to activate the forces of heaven. And I want to encourage you today. You have an army that is greater than all armies. You have a merciful God. But don't get confused like Peter did, drawing your sword to attack people. We fight not against flesh and blood. We have one who has defeated the devil in Jesus Christ, who now sits at the right hand of the Father. We go to him, we petition him, and he activates the forces of heaven. Hallelujah. What, what a God, what a, what a provider, what a provider God is for us. Cracking example of this in the Old Testament, in the book of Genesis, even Father Abraham, just in case any of us may be tempted to think that we're really up to date, really modern people, really super spiritual, just be careful, all the way back to Father Abraham. Can you imagine that? No Bible, that yet this man, the father of our faith, understood the nature of how to present himself before God and the nature of how to intercede and petition on behalf of others. And I encourage all of you who are praying for your family, for your locality, for, you know, in church planting, in in cell groups, whatever you're doing, you can pray for those people and God can answer you and bless those people. But just listen to how Abraham did it in Genesis 18. The men turned away and went towards Sodom. But Abraham remained. Now, God's just about to wipe Sodom and Gomorrah out. The men went away and and, and, uh, went towards Sodom. But Abraham remained standing before the Lord. 
Then Abraham approached the Lord and said, Will you sweep away the righteous with the wicked? What if there are 50 righteous people in the city? Will you really sweep it away and not spare the place for the sake of the 50 righteous people? Far be it from you to do such a thing, to kill the righteous and the wicked, treating the righteous and the wicked the same. Far be it from you. Will not the judge of all the earth do what is right? I can see Abraham in my mind almost like a courtroom. I can see him like a barrister walking, pacing up and down with a Bible in his hand, if you like, saying, Father God, is it not written in the scripture that you will protect your people? He's, he's, he's petitioning God on the basis of his nature, of his attributes and his character. And as we, as LFC and any of you around the world, as we proceed in our ministries, both in teaching and in prayer, I want us to get a deeper understanding of the nature of what prayer is. Uh, You are a citizen in the kingdom of God, right? Jesus is on the throne. Those armies are of heaven. The armies are available to you and to I. Our job is to petition the King of Kings. And when we approach him based on scripture, based on the word of God, that's where we see answers to our prayer because we're obeying heavenly protocol. Guys, if there's protocol on earth, please, there is greater protocol in heaven. I, I, as, you, as most of you know, I lost my first wife and I was single. I was in Singapore. I was quite happy being single. Thank you very much. I was fine. But um, on, on one particular day in Singapore, I just, I changed my mind and I decided I, I, I think I should get married for the sake of the kingdom and the church and everything else on my own sake. But I changed my mind and um, I decided I'm, I'm going to pray. I'm going to go before God. But it may surprise you <laughs> the nature of my prayer. Just to give you a little private insight, I think I shared this this testimony for the first time ever last night. Um, I got down on my knees, and this is, exa- I'll just tell you what I said, just, just be open and honest. I got down on my knees, and a bit like Abraham, will not the Lord and the judge of all the earth do what's right in my case? And I said, God, I spent nearly 12 years working with couples, husbands and wives, I broadcast in 119 countries on marriage. I've written two books on marriage, right? I have done enormous work in this area. And scripture says, shall someone plant grapes and not drink of the fruit thereof? Shall someone plant wheat and not eat the bread thereof? And shall I, would it be right that I I do this and then then when my need comes up, that God, it is impossible. And that's what I I said to God, I said, it is impossible in my mind. I, it is my belief that it is impossible for you not to act, you to act on my behalf. And I met my wife two weeks later and we were engaged three months later. It, you can see a swift act. Uh, you can see a swift response from God provided you come down the, let me call it the legal, the biblical route the scripture route that you're basing it upon his character, not your righteousness. My prayer was not upon my righteousness. It's upon his righteousness. You're going to do what's right. And what's right in this situation is this. This is what scripture says. God does not, we don't move God through bribery, through emotion, through noise, through playing the victim or any other thing. It's all, I mean, it is the courts of heaven. 
We are approaching the courts of heaven. Let me finish with this one example. I, I had a, um, <coughs> excuse me, I had a property in Liverpool and it was, lent, uh, it was rented out for years. But this one new tenant came in, this woman, and she refused to pay rent. She would not pay rent no matter what we did. And I had a group of managers managing it and like months and months, I think it was almost a year, over a year, something around that, no, no rent. And I was down thousands and thousands and thousands of pounds. And one of the managers rang me one day and he said, Mike, we've tried everything. I went round and this guy who went round Cliff, he's a big threatening guy. And she wasn't frightened by me. So I sent round big offer. I thought, oh no, what are you guys doing? Big offer. Nobody says no to big Arthur. But this woman wasn't frightened of big Arthur. But you know what? She moved out of the house. She moved out of the house because a letter came through the door. A simple piece of paper from the bailiffs. A piece of paper, a written word that carried the authority of the government. And she just, she just went quietly. Do you know the power that you have in your Bible? The power that you have to bring your case before the judge of all judges, the king of king, kings, and appeal on the basis of scripture for your prayer to be answered. So please, let's do a review of how we pray. Let's do a review and a greater, get a grip, a greater understanding. I am a citizen in the kingdom of my God. And I can go before him for my family, for my locality, and see him release the armies of heaven and souls be saved, healing be back in our cities and in our churches, that people be set on fire again for God. Father, I pray you take this word and you open our eyes like the servant's eyes were opened by Elisha. Would you open our eyes also to see the mighty army of God? And may our perception of this take away all fear, take away all anxiety, because we know God, when God is fighting for us, who can fight against us? Father, we commit this word. Would you bring it to fruition in every area of our lives and our churches? God bless you all. We'll see you next Wednesday at eight o'clock on Zoom. Bye-bye.